This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. All right, Racer fans, welcome in episode 58 of the Racer Nation podcast. Welcome back. Been a couple weeks. Got a little short staff to start the episode. Just myself, Austin Blakely, and Logan Foster. I think Sawyer's going to hop on. He's doing some dad duties, so he's going to hop on with us sometime. So he'll probably just pop in the episode sometime, and, and we'll just roll with it. And uh, so, oh boy, Logan, this this episode may go off the rails quick with just me and you. You know, Sawyer reminded us last episode that he is Mr. Prepared that just, you know, keeps us all together. But uh, with it just being me and you, I mean – Honestly, who knows where we're going to go? <laughs> yeah, he's prepared. He's professional. He kind of keeps us in line. And, you know, he asked us to get started without him tonight. That's true. I think he may regret that. Yeah, so you can go ahead and just hit your skip about 10 times on this episode, and and you might end up with Sawyer back on the podcast. But we're coming to you on Wednesday, the 24th. Uh, racers just dropped uh, an away game at Bradley, puts the racers eight and eleven on the year. Still five and three in conference, so we still have that. But as we'll talk about, we're just now really hitting the stride of our schedule. Um, and Logan, I think that's something we talked about. Is and it, if you remember, it was kind of like this last year as well, where I don't know if the league office is trying to help us out getting getting into the Missouri Valley, but we really started off. I mean, we had the Kind of like last year had the Bradley game at home early, which was a good win for us. And it'll be a good win for us this year as well. Um, but a lot of UIC and Valpo. Actually, I know I hadn't played Valpo yet, but last year we had Valpo early. And this year it's been Evansville and Missouri State. We caught them at a really good time for us. But, um, boy, is the, you know, maybe not the weather outside, but is the heat fixing to turn up um, starting tonight, right? Or starting last Sunday, I guess. Yeah, and – a couple weeks ago, I think was the last time we did a podcast, and we were a little excited because I think we had won five of six. Yep. Um, we did preface that by saying we know who we've played. We played who was on the schedule, and we beat them, uh, in some cases, very convincingly. So much so that we were ready to uh, just dive right back in and be full-on crazy about the racers again. Um but we did say that it takes beating an Indiana State at home. Uh, that that win waits more than you know an Evansville on the road or a Missouri State on the road. Just because, it, personally, I feel like Drake and Indiana State are the clear top two, and I don't necessarily see a you know the third, fourth place teams um, being that caliber. I, I think they're the two top two clear cut. Uh, best teams and I don't think that's a controversial thing to say um, but you know they they come in and outside of really a five minute stretch we played with Indiana State um, they obviously showed up big time in the second half we limited their best two players to two points combined in the first half and so I think we were all texting at halftime saying you know that's not going to hold up <laughs> Big Robbie and Swope aren't going to combine for two points again in the second half. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, Swope, you know, made more of a impact in the second half. And then Robbie ended up with 20 points after having two at halftime. Yeah. So he Robbie really changed just, the game. He, yeah, he, he did. He won, them, he won them, the, won them the game, to be honest, in my eyes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, we just didn't have an answer for him. And I think that was, our whole point coming into this year is we need a guy that can stop Robbie. We need somebody that can, you know, that has size to compete with the Malik Diaz and Robbie and just the prototypical big guys in the Missouri Valley. And, um, you know, to Nick's credit, he's played so hard over this stretch. He's really made a difference and Quincy's been huge for us. Um, it's just, we haven't, you know, we're, we're playing a tougher, uh, level of competition here with Bradley and Indiana state. And you can't have two guys score and beat those teams. Even, even though we're at home, you know, you've got to have Jacoby step up. Rob didn't show up against Indiana state. Alden didn't, you need those guys to, to carry their weight. And really it was just, uh, Quincy bailing us out and Nick having a great first half. 
Yeah. Well, Logan, great podcast. I think you pretty much summarized everything <laughs> that everybody thinks of. So uh, we appreciate you listening. No, just, just kidding. But you, I've got you bring a lot some, more to talk about. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. You bring up some good points. Let, let's back up real quick because um, let's kind of dissect what you what you went through right there. Because on the last podcast, we had just come off the Evansville trip. And then we went down to Missouri State and beat them, you know, beat them like a drum, right? So that's why we were feeling that high. Let's go, let's go through memory lane, uh, but a reserved high. But I think we're just grasping at every little thing we can to try to feel what we felt over the last 20, yeah. 30 years, right? As as racer basketball fans, so um, I think we, like you said, understood where Evansville was at without Humrickus and Missouri State really kind of. In- their program in shambles at that point, and they still kind of are if you see how what Drake's doing to them tonight. Um, but then the Northern Iowa game, a game that we, and I think this might be a common theme for us this year, a game for 30 minutes, we were the best team in the in the arena, right? We were better than them, but you get one guy that gets really hot, who got really hot at Belmont too, um, with Nate Heisey, who's really been their best player this year. I think we talked about Bowen Bourne, Bowen Bourne, but and really high yeah. he's been their guy this year. And like just a typical six, five MVC guy, right? He's an MVC guard that you expect a team from Iowa to have. And uh, yep. man, he, he showed out. Um, and we were texting just almost eerily similar to when we played, we, we played them one time last year at Northern Iowa. And if you remember Logan, we were up, Eight points, ten points at the under eight timeout. What happens? The same deal. The same thing happens there. And then go back to UIC and and get get a really good win at UIC. Um, look good again. Uh, you know, close and then pulled pulled away at the end. And as we know, Indiana State struggling with UIC right now. It's still early in the second half, but you know, Indiana State might end up pulling away. But they're at UIC struggling with them. So for all intents and purposes with 150 people in the gym, a pretty good win. And then uh, the Indiana state game that you just talked about, we can, we can talk about that some more because again, for 30, 35 minutes of that game, we were the best team on the floor, but I think, and like I said, we can talk about Indiana state game. We can dive in, but I, I think just overarching for me that that's what separates us from being a good team. Uh, to being a great team like good teams you can be the best team for 30 minutes but it's those great teams that play for 40 minutes right and against a team like indiana state who's top 35 in the net um you you can't you can't be better than them for 30 minutes you got to be better than them for 40 right because you're not going to have that separation of 15 20 points to have that buffer so um and i think we saw it saw it tonight against bradley too like i know bradley was the better team for most of the night but there was a pretty good stretch there where we were better than them and, and really made a run at it, but, you know, just could not finish it off. Got it to five and then had three or four empty possessions after a timeout in a row. And I think that's another thing we keep talking about, at least amongst ourselves. But coming out of timeouts, it seems like we struggle, which should be the complete opposite. But um, I, I know I'm, I'm rambling on here, uh, Logan, and it's just two of us, so we might do a lot of rambling uh, tonight, at least so far. But um, I, I, to me, that's the difference is uh, from what – and maybe it's been because in the OVC we can be the best team for 20, for 30 minutes and still get those wins. But teams that we're playing that are top 100 in the net, like you and I and Indiana State and Bradley and coming up – uh, Southern Illinois, who's, you know, just were down at, at, to Valpo at the half and at the under 12 or up 12 now. So, you know, they're a top, top 120 uh, team. And then you got to play Illinois State, who just beat Belmont. So it's like there, I mean, there are no off nights, obviously, but you got to play 40 minutes of basketball against these teams. And these 30 minute efforts just don't. I mean, obviously aren't, aren't cutting it. And while we're eight and 11. Yeah, that's exactly right. And like I mentioned earlier, outside of a five minute stretch against Indiana state, a five minute stretch from, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of people will probably agree with me. You, you go back and watch the game. We were up three points at halftime. Yep. Um, and then until the first media timeout, 
Quincy hits a three, and then Brian Moore leaks out. We throw the pass deep, and he gets a layup. And then the next possession, Quincy hits a three. Mm-hmm. And there's a timeout somewhere in the 14 minutes and change. And we're up 41 to 39. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Indiana State's, they're making their run. Um, you know, we're hitting our shots and they're answering us. Um, we pull Quincy out after mm-hmm. he was, him and Nick Ellington were our offense. Mm-hmm. Well, you pull him out, you put Sean in. Sean doesn't offer us much on offense. He hasn't all year. Um, and I assume that the injury doesn't help either. Well, for the next five minutes until Quincy checks back in, they go on a 14 to two run. Yeah. And so with nine minutes left, Quincy checks back in and we're down 12 points. <laughs> just we like lose that. The game by nine. Yeah. Just like that. And yep. so you see us against these lower level teams. I feel like we have, three, four, sometimes five guys have good games mm-hmm. and really, really show out, um, score double digits. You know, Brian Moore comes off the bench and will score 10, 12, 14. Mm-hmm. Alden will score 10 or something like that. Against the top teams, it seems like they just limit us to, you know, against Indiana State. It was Nick and Quincy. Yep. At the end of the game, when we're making the post-game tweet, I thought, <laughs> are they the only ones that get on it uh, <laughs> tonight? Rob finally showed back up. Quincy, Nick. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. And so I guess my point is when you've got guys that are carrying you, ride the hot hand. I feel like that's what we've seen. Um if a guy just ain't got it that night and Quincy's had plenty of those nights over the past couple of years, but man, when he's on, he's on, mm-hmm. uh, was it the Illinois state game this year where mm-hmm. I think he had 27, 28, 27, like just yeah. could not keep him off the court. Yeah. And, and another thing at the end of the game that I had to go back to, to look today to make sure I wasn't crazy. <laughs> and I think we had two fouls, maybe three going into the final two minutes of the Indiana state game. Quincy's been the only consistent scorer all game. And he picks up four fouls within a minute, Mm -hmm. just fouling to get the other team to the line. I don't understand how we can't, you know, whoever it is, sub Sean in to foul for him or or Patrick Chu. I mean, Pat, he'll do anything for the team. Put in Fletcher Boatwright. Put in Fletch. Fletch Daddy would go out there and give you five fouls. But not the guy that's been your yeah. whole offense all night. Yeah. And so that just – I was sitting there just ready to blow my top uh, <laughs> seeing that. But, you know, at, at that point, you know, less than a minute to go, they're up 10 points. It's almost too little too late. We Right. The, the mistakes we made earlier in the game cost us more than that. But um, but I still think you see, it, you see it tonight, though, and I, just to yeah. – you know, right there at the end of the first half at we go on a 9-0 run no yeah maybe 8-9-0 run cut it to a two-point game and then they get the under four timeout sub out a brand new team and then they go on a 10-2 run to end the half to go up 10 at half and then they extend that I think I did the math into an 18-5 to run into so Sawyer who's not on this podcast right now will always talk about the middle eight you lose the middle eight, 18 to five. What was the, what was the end score of the game? What did we lose by? Oh, oh speak just, of the devil. <laughs> speak of the devil right on time. We were just talking about the middle eight of the game tonight, how we got outscored 18 to five. We say his name and he shows up on the podcast. Sawyer, welcome in to episode 58 of the Racer Nation podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, so we were just talking about how we go off the rails because you're not here to uh, keep us uh, keep us on. So we've talked about like literally everything, and uh, it's happened a couple times already. Yeah, yeah. On the call for about 15 minutes. Yeah, I've been on a five minute rant. Logan's been on a five minute rant, and we just talked about how uh, we pretty much got destroyed in the middle eight tonight by 13 points, and we lose by nine. So 
or eight. However, I don't know. I don't even remember what the final score was. It was eight. We covered. Yeah, it was eight. Yeah, we did cover. So um, anyway, we're talking about how in most stretches of the game, uh, it, it, or in most games, it's just been these small stretches that's really, really hurt us. And that is what's keeping us from being, you know, really, really successful this year is just these eight to five to eight minute stretches, maybe even shorter than that. Right. So uh, I don't know if you got any takes on that coming in hot. Yeah, I think you think you're right on target. Uh, and it's not just that. I feel like it's the momentum whenever you, you know, as you go into the halftime, you, there's takes all the wind out of your sails. And then, um, you know, we talked about this ad nauseum earlier on the season of just not having guys who um, had really proven that they were uh, the guy that could, that, could, that could get you over the hump. They could really take charge of a game whenever it was on the line. And, um, you know, I thought we, we saw some glimpses of that, um, but it really does show it really does seem like those teams that we really beat up on are the bottom tier teams of the league. So we've still got to prove that against some quality competition. And uh, I thought tonight would have been a great time to do that. And, I, you know, we had a great chance to come back there at the end. But um, then again, you miss a couple layups, miss a couple free throws and you go on extremely long droughts without scoring. And it uh, makes it really tough to be able to, to end up on the other side of what we've seen the past couple weeks yeah no doubt you're you're and you're going to have opportunities after opportunities to do it against great teams as as we've got southern illinois coming into the bank on saturday for another another nationally televised game or regionally televised on valley sports i guess who i guess amazon prime amazon bought out valley did you guys see that so it'll be interesting what happens with the uh um, of course that's where i watch the cardinals and and the memphis grizzlies and and uh, teams like that. So it'll be interesting if if the Missouri Valley uh, extends their contract with with Amazon going forward. So um, you see more of these streaming services getting in, getting in and uh, covering games. So a lot of nationally televised games. Unfortunately, not a year the racers probably want to be on national television all that much. Is I'm not sure we've won one of these nationally televised games yet, but um, uh, maybe maybe the UIC game. So uh, anyways. Uh, Guys, Logan, you, you mentioned it, some really, really key bright spots over the last few games uh, between senior guard Quincy Anderson, who's just been outstanding, and also reigning uh, Missouri Valley New, Missouri Valley Conference Newcomer of the Week, Nick Ellington, who has just really exploded um, the last three games with, with putbacks and dunks and rebounds and really coming into his own. But, you know, I feel bad for Nick because it's just him, like – he he doesn't have the conditioning or the body yet to play 40 minutes a game and we'd really we'd really love to have Nick out there for 40 minutes a game and then and then tonight uh I think Quincy during that run that 9-0 run where we cut it to five there uh with like five minutes to go Quincy goes up he hits the three and then he has the and one and then when he's at the free throw line to shoot his free throw it flashes his graphic where he's five for six from the field and I'm like, why is Quincy not shooting the ball 40 times a game if he's that efficient? And then, Logan, you know, you can come with the stats and talk about the efficiency numbers. But um, it's like, Logan, you already mentioned it. It's got to be more than two guys. But if it is just going to be two guys against these, you know, higher quality opponents, how do we make them even more effective, right? Yeah, and the truth is you could do this in the OVC with two guys. Uh, we saw that many of the times. We didn't have very good teams, but still found a way to be a top two team in the league um, just because of talent or home court advantage and fan support, whatever. Um, can't do that now. You, you just can't. You've yeah. got to have guys. I, I feel like this is – there's great players in the Missouri Valley, but the thing that's different – isn't necessarily the caliber of the star players. It's the caliber of the role players mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. Um, you know, you look at Indiana State. We've talked a lot about them. Who was uh, – I'm blanking on his name, but number three um, that he hit. Yeah, he keep hit talking. I'll get it for you. Yeah, yeah. Sawyer, you know, mentioned no wonder he was on everybody's recruiting list. Um, Are you talking about Ryan Conwell? Ryan Conwell. Conwell, yes. Had 17 on Sunday. Yeah, I think every team just has a Conwell on the – the top teams do. Um, And that's what's so different in the – from the MVC to the OVC. 
And so, you know, we need to have those guys as well. Um, we, ten, you look at tonight, Jacoby had four points. He had six turnovers. Um, oh, man. It, it's backbreaking. And I feel like it's almost our team goes as Jacoby goes. It, when he is playing really well, we look really good. Um, and kind of the same thing with Brian Moore. When he can come in and give us a punch off the bench or just give us – Give us the 14 points we need, Brian, or something. It just makes such a, a huge difference and takes so much pressure off of Quincy to where, it's, you know, he can score 12 or 13 instead of 17. Um, and Nick doesn't have to, you know, work so hard down low because, like you said, he's working so hard on the defensive end, not only having to guard Robbie and all, all the big guys, but we switch all these screens, and he's having to guard guards too. And so pretty much every game he looks gassed. It, and I don't know if he's gassed or it just looks like he's had both knees replaced, but he's just like struggling out there. You can see it. And we don't have anybody to back him up. Yeah. You know, Sam, you know, he plays hard, but he just – he that's not – he's not a good matchup for, for these big Missouri Valley guys. And that's yeah. kind of our concern coming into the year is, well, if one of the big guys goes down, what do we do? And that's happened with Malik. Yeah. And it's so much so that a couple of games we've played a five guard lineup. I don't know. I saw your, here's my second ramble. Um, and <laughs> hey, I don't know where it's going. I've got so many thoughts in my head since we haven't done this in two weeks. And, you know, it's just the natural roller coaster of Murray state basketball to where you look so high one night and then so low the next. And um, I don't know. I, I want to be good consistent consistently. I don't want to say I just want to be consistent because there's a downside. You could be consistently bad. We don't want to be one of those bottom feeder teams um, and we want to have hope, but you know, you just wish you had these guys hold on to a, a hot streak more than a three game sample size. It's so annoying when you're watching the game tonight where they show all of our records over the past two years and how everything looks so bad statistically. I'm like, why don't you go one year back? Why don't you go three or four years back? And then let's look at the numbers. Um, But since we've been in the Valley, it's been really, really rough. And I thought about it a little bit tonight, um, which is why I I was so late um, trying to get the girls to bed. Um, And uh, just about how... The Valley has not seen real racer basketball uh, to this point just yet. And they've seen glimpses of it, but we still have not been able to show them out in full force. And uh, Logan, I think you made some great points about Jacoby. And, and I wanted to, I mean, I, the, the one thing that I came into this night tonight with was, you know, Jacoby and Rob have just been not like themselves for the past four or five games. I mean, coming into tonight's game, Rob had not hit a three pointer in the last four games. Um, Jaco- and he'd, he'd scored, uh, Four points uh, against Indiana State, six points against UIC, and then eight points against Northern Iowa. And then Jacoby, you know, like you said, Logan, four points tonight, then 10 and eight. But then you look at the box score at halftime, these games that were ended up losing, you know, Jacoby's only taking one or two shots, three shots in the first half, and then he's trying to force them in the second half almost a little bit. And it's just like, man, you know, I'm glad that Quincy has had his emergence because without him, like you guys have said, we would be in a really, really tough spot. But it's just the guys that we need to be producing. Um, either they're not getting the shots like we would hope, uh, and they're just being too passive, and they need to start start being more aggressive potentially, um, or they've just hit a really really rough stretch or taking really you know Ill, Ill, inadvised shots. But um, for us to be successful, everybody knows Jacoby and Rob have to be really really good, and we just haven't seen that the past three or four games, and that's why we've um, our record slid has, has taken the slide that it has. Yeah, and I don't know how much we even saw it in the non-conference where we really struggled. And and I, I'll go back to what I said like the first episode. I was like, if we're going to be good this year, we need Rob Perry to have a Larry Bird trophy winner type season. And it's I'm not sure he's had an all, you know, any team type, you know, all-conference team type season so far uh, just with some of the struggles. But, but you're right. You got the guys on the floor 
that need to show up. And a couple of those guys have done that, and we've been able to get by against Missouri State and UIC and, and Evansville and, um, you know, probably should have against Illinois State early. But, you know, a couple guys – I think that's it. The couple guys aren't, aren't going to do it when you don't have a lot of production off the bench. They showed one stat tonight um, how much our, our bench had been outscored um, in the last couple games, like you said, Sawyer and – or they, they mentioned it, and, and props to the CBS broadcast. Broadcast Those guys were, like, on it. They had – you could tell they did their research. I thought, you know, even in a in a loss, I thought they represented both teams pretty well and, and did a good job. So I was really impressed with uh, with what we saw there. But, um, yeah, and, and I don't know, and I know we're going to try to get on this podcast and say, okay, what, what do we have to do to fix it? What's going to turn it around? Um, but <laughs> – I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded because you're, you're gonna, you still gotta play Drake. Luckily, we only played Drake once this year. You still gotta go to, still gotta go to Illinois State or Indiana State. Still gotta go to SIU. Gotta go to Belmont, um, and then you got, gotta go to Northern Iowa. So it's like we might be five and three, eight games in, nearly halfway through, and we're sitting what fourth or fifth in the valley right now. But it's it's about to get about to be a buzz all the rest rest of the season. There's not going to be any cakewalks um, as we go through uh, through the month of rest of month of January and February. Yeah, well, to if we're looking on the bright side, the coaching staff uh, when we were on our big losing streak, they said they'd have it all figured out by February first. So we are going to hold them to it. And <laughs> That's true. That, uh, for this. <laughs> This really tough stretch of games we've got. Uh, we're gonna have it all figured out. <laughs> there you go. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We've got eight games in the month of February. So if we go eight and zero, and we're rolling in, and in our last five games or six games are a win at Drake, a win at Carbondale, Valpo at home, Belmont at home, and a win at Indiana State. If we do that rolling into St. Louis, I'm going to be feeling pretty dang good uh, for the for the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Austin, I think that uh, if you if you if you think that you can win the Missouri Valley Conference tournament championship, uh, we're going to be able to see it over the next couple of weeks. Uh, one of our one of the biggest racer fans out there, Barry Pascal, told me over the past couple of weeks that or told us coming in told me into coming into this game that uh, the before we actually before we played in Indiana State, that the teams that we played so far had like 11 combined conference wins, and the teams Indiana State had played had two and a half times as many conference wins as what we have. So our strength of schedule has been very very poor up to this point in Valley play. Um, and so you're right, it's about to get real in a hurry. And if we, if these if these racers are ready to turn the corner uh, and get some get hot, it's going to have to come against some of the better teams and. I think, you know, in the past when we've played in the OVC, we've had a, a tough time of playing down to the competition. We've seen that a lot this year. I think you can see that around the Valley tonight is uh, Drake, Drake is, is struggling um, uh, tonight and also uh, Indiana State's struggling as well uh, against Missouri State and UIC respectively. Both two-point games with under four minutes to go, under 30 seconds to go in the Drake game. Um, and so what the bright spot is is that we've got uh, – we're playing against the you know the best of the best that you know if we rise to the occasion that's that, that's that's what I want to see when we're heading into to, to Arch Madness. So um, it is going to be a gauntlet, but if we can crank it up, uh, that's going to be there's going to be no better time against the qual the best competition that we can play. And if we rise to it, you know a high tide raises all ships, and I hope that will be the theme, uh, like you said, as we enter February. Man, that that's crazy. I I wasn't tracking that Drake score because they were up nearly twenty earlier in that game. So Missouri State, Dana Dana Ford's fighting for his job down there, getting them fired up. And like you said, this UIC game, uh, Indiana State game is really good. But I mean, that's just that's just conference play, I guess. That's that's the new norm. But um, guys, any anything that you guys have keyed on that we haven't talked about yet that um, that that we could look for over the next few weeks. I mean, is it just simply how do we get over the hump to to those five ten minutes that we struggle, or is it we've got to change it up from an offensive perspective, from a defensive perspective? Because um, I feel like 
after Christmas, we heard all this, uh, we're going to change it up. We're going to do this, do that. But uh, I think it was more of our level of competition. I, we've seen Middle Tennessee's not that great. Um, and then the teams we, we've been able to play in the, in the, in the Missouri Valley as well. But, um, you know, we, we did get better offensively, but I mean, to me, you see like tonight where we go on a run and then you got a guy like Brian Wardle, who's really turned around the Bradley team, uh, the last, you know, I think he's been there seven years now and four years ago, they had like five wins or something like that so he's really turned it around and he throws that zone out and just completely puts the brakes on for our offense and and we don't get into a set till there's you know 16 seconds left on the shot clock when you're down seven with a minute 50 to go it's like man you just just went through 15 pretty precious seconds right there so is it just simply we got to keep the pace up on offense yeah i mean i think so and i think it's just uh, trying trying to get hot and sustain it and just get some momentum because like you said uh, it's it's really just been us tr- really winning our losses um, playing into the game plan of the other teams is what it seems like and so for us to come out fast in the half fast start the second half you know in in a hurry and um, and I think that you know over the next couple of weeks we have these games at home that are very winnable that can give us the runway uh, to get back, get things back on track. And I think that's what we saw to start the, to start our little run. You know, we beat middle, like you said, um, not not the middle that we thought when we were going to be playing uh, when the season started. And then you really go on a run. You know, you pick up some 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 momentum at home with a big win. Then you go to Evansville, uh, or you beat UIC at home. Then you go to Evansville, and you're able to translate those into to big wins. And then you turn around and beat Missouri State. But then I think you see the opposite too with Northern Iowa coming into your place and really. Taking the mm-hmm. taking the wind out of your sails, uh, for lack of a better term, again, um, and then you really struggle again at home. So I think that it really needs to to come down to, to, to coming out fast at home uh, and really putting on a show in front of your home fans against you know our our pretty much you know with Belmont you know our number one rival in the Missouri Valley now with SIU and um, you know I was a little disappointed <laughs> in the in the environment at the arena the other night or Sunday afternoon for the. Yeah, Indiana State game, Logan. I don't know if you talked about this already or not, but uh, yeah. fans fans have got to be better. Crowds got to be better. Um, you know, uh, and I think that uh, there were some times in the game, especially in the first half. Also, I think you mentioned it in a text that you sent that said that you know we were we had capitalized on Indiana State's weaknesses and got them in foul trouble or drawing offensive fouls when they were trying to attack, and um, we should have been up by thirteen at the half, not three, <laughs> um, and. It would have, you know, I think that the, the crowd could have provided a couple extra extra bumps there that could have got us over the over the hump. But the Richards got to bring it too. They got to give us reason to get out of our chairs. Um, and so I hope that I hope that over the past couple games that the, the staff is able to reanalyze kind of who deserves the minutes, who deserves the shots, because they've been playing a much deeper lineup and uh, new uh, familiar faces have re-entered the lineup and. We were way more successful before um, before the changes than we were afterwards, and I, and I hope that this is the time of year where you're still not trying to figure it out. Some of these things have to be solidified, and um, it's not. I heard this quote the other day. It's not personal; it's personnel, and that's. <laughs> I really hope they take that mindset uh, as this is comes, you know, crunch time. Uh, to get this ship right. Because, I mean, we're still four games under 500. Being under 500 is unacceptable in race for basketball. Um, that's 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 mediocrity. That's not anything that we stand for on this podcast, I know. So uh, I'm really glad the guys are coming home. Uh, but the environment's got to be better. We've got to get uh, our, our, our feet set and, and get back on the right track. Because, like we've just said, it's going to get a lot harder. But uh, I, I do feel confident that um, – this SIU game on Saturday is going to be really, really tough. Um, we, we know that the best players on on the best teams have really shined the brightest when they when they played us. So uh, it's going to be crucial that we shut down Xavier Johnson um, and Clarence Rupert. They're two they're two uh, best players, and we know SIU's been up and down. So it's going to be important to come out with the foot on the gas pedal and and really take it to them um, because they're just as dangerous as we can see right now taking. Did you say is it Drake? They're going into overtime. Is that what? You uh, that's us? Missouri State's going into or overtime. Missouri State, Drake. Yeah, yeah. SI, SIU was down at half against Valpo, 
um, and, and they've come back. They they opened yeah. it up to like 12, but they're up they're up by six right now at the under four. And I think you saw that uh, with the sorry, I got those confused with the SIU game because uh, Xavier Johnson picks up two early fouls in the first half, and then you know without him on the floor, you know Valpo takes almost a double digit lead into halftime, which is absolutely <laughs> wild. Um, so all these teams can beat you any given night. Uh, yeah. That's the beauty of the Valley. That's why we wanted to be here. Yeah, I, I think you said it very eloquently. I'll, I'll just say it more bluntly that I, I think the, the, the lineups do really need to be reexamined because I think guys are, are getting minutes that, that aren't really contributing. Uh, and I, I won't say any names. I definitely won't do anything like that uh, publicly. But I, I definitely think the way patterns work and – just like Logan, we texted about it. Just when you get a guy that gets hot and Justin, who struggled from three all year, there's there's no secret. He's shooting like, what, 20-something 20, 20 percent, and he hits you two in a row. And what's he do? He comes to the bench, right, for, for somebody who, who hasn't contributed offensively in a in a really long time. So I think to me, and I, I, I am not the guy that questions – questions the coaching staff and i will sit here and say they make the money they make the decisions they are way way smarter than me and all this basketball stuff and but man it just like pulls your hair out sometimes when you see stuff like that and then the whole like you talked about logan quincy fouling the dude four times in a row it's like how, how is that stuff getting passed and and not you know it just seems like those small things contribute up to it and uh, gosh, sorry. There was something else you said that I wanted to, I wanted to expand on as well, but I, I can't, can't think of it um, at the moment. But uh, you know, I, I think to wrap up for me, just, just everything, because I do have a couple more questions for you guys, not Murray State related. I, I think the uh, more Missouri Valley related, um, but I, I think there's still the opportunity there. Um, We've seen guys at different points play really well, right? Um, we've seen everybody, pretty pretty much everybody on this team has had a good game. Uh, Jacoby's played really well in stretches. Quincy and Nick, we just talked about. Rob, we know what Rob can do. He just has to he just has to show it. Um, you've seen Justin be able to make some shots. You've you've seen, I mean, in small stretches, Sam play pretty well. Um, it's just I don't like. If all that lines up, you beat Drake and you beat Indiana State and you beat Bradley and you you can do that. But we've got to find the way to unlock all that happening at once, right? And to me, that's that's going to be what determines your February 1st to the rest of the season. That That's what's going to determine the rest of our season from here on out. And if we finish under 500 and, and, and it's unacceptable or – we turn it and start banking some wins. I think, I think for me guys, one of the most fun things of being in the Missouri Valley, not just the competition level and how fun it's been, but like we are all three, I think sitting here following an Indiana state game, a UI, a Indiana state, UIC, a Missouri state, Drake and SIU Valpo game. It's like, you all, and I think I touched on this last year, but there's always there's always fun stuff to watch, right? It's not like the OVC where you're going to get uh, Tennessee Tech and UT Martin playing on a on a Thursday night. It's like nobody's ever watching that. But I think like you guys are like me, and I'm sure a lot of people on the podcast podcast listeners like to listen, like to watch all this other basketball. So one thing I was I was thinking about last night as I was watching Drake play at Illinois State, and and you know. I'm sorry, not Drake. Wow. Let's let's start that over. Belmont playing at Illinois State and Belmont loses uh, another game. I think they're four and five in the conference right now. And I'm like, man, like I knew Belmont was not going to be as good. They obviously lost a lot last year. As did everybody. But um, you thought with keeping Cade Tyson, getting Dia over from uh, from Vanderbilt, you know, they would kind of replenish and and to me I see a lot of similarities in them is they got two guys who are really carrying the ship for them right now but kind of drops off after that so I wanted to ask you guys like what's been the biggest surprise for you guys in the valley this year so to me that 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 was mine the Belmont deal I thought I thought they would be better um you know I I thought just with 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 Casey Alexander but I think they're kind of the same component as us is like 
in the OVC, Dia and Cade Tyson is are probably carrying them to a first place finish, second place finish in the OVC. But it's like you said, Logan, you got the the Ryan Conwells, who's the guy who just gets you 13 or 17 on any given night. Or you got, um, you know, Connor Enright from Drake who can come and get you 15 a night when when maybe Tucker DeVries is, isn't feeling it. So uh, I think Belmont kind of suffers from the same stuff we do. It'll be really interesting when we play them. But them them struggling, and they've had a tough schedule. They've played all the hard teams. You and I, they've played – which they beat Drake, which is pretty crazy at home. But, um, yeah, so so to me, I think the biggest surprise so far, eight, ten games in, has been, has been how Drake struggled. So, Sawyer, uh, I think you got one queued up. What, what were you thinking? Yeah, so yours yours was how Belmont struggled. Correct. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, your last point I think is the thing that surprised me the most. Like the Belmont, I thought they were up and down a little bit, but then again, they turn around and they they don't just beat Drake at home, they beat them by like twenty two or something. So right. uh, or eighteen, one of those two. And you know, whenever they, whenever they did that, you know, it really put a a spotlight on them. Um, what I think is has been the biggest surprise for me since Valley play has started has been you and I, um, just with, with so much inconsistency and then how calm and cool and collected that they've been um, since, I guess, conference play has started uh, after getting beat at Evansville in overtime. Um, they've really flipped a switch. It seemed like they've really figured it out. Um, and the other part of it, too, is just there's just a lot of – Great players uh, in in the valley, and I thought that some of our guys. Um, well, I guess I should say it this way: there's a lot. There's been a lot of players that have really impressed me. Um, that I think that uh, the the first first team and second team all MVC teams are going to be really good. Like the other night, they put out the fact that uh, they put like an all Missouri Valley team for the week together. I really like that. That's different than what we saw in the OVC, and I'm like, man, that lineup would be really really good. Um, and uh, you're seeing a lot of uh, bench players contributing, um, and, and really the future of the Valley is, is pretty bright um, without, uh, if we don't lose too many pieces from the transfer portal. So um, for me, I think that you know you and I has been a little bit of a surprise based on how they've uh, performed early on in the season. But then again, and I think that's may- maybe a recency bias just because they just came into our house and, and really took it to us, and there really wasn't much we could much we could say about it um, towards the end of the season. Uh, or to the towards the end of the game, um, but I guess they would be my my biggest surprise at this point. But I'll brainstorm it a little more. If there's anything else that pops up, I'll let you know. Yeah, Logan, I think my biggest surprise is how Missouri State's about to beat Drake at home in overtime. But what else? Uh, what else you got for us? Yeah, you led me right into my point. <laughs> uh, coming from the OVC, you always had the I can pick on Eastern Illinois, but they had our number quite a few times, but. You had the bad teams that you just knew going into it you were going to be. And not so much a team or the players. It's just, you know, I'm watching Indiana State and UIC right now. And full disclosure, I bet Indiana State, I thought there's no way UIC hangs with them. Indiana State's just an upper echelon team. And they have went shot for shot. Big Robbie showed up here in the the late stretch of the game, but they have dang near as arguably the worst team in the league, just about knocked off Indiana State at home. You said SIU struggling tonight. You've got um, Drake losing tonight. It's unbelievable to me how hard it is to win on the road in this conference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the games where you feel like should just be a surefire, this is the better team, it doesn't matter. Uh, and it's kind of shocked me how, you know, earlier in the season, we didn't have any success on the road. We didn't win a road game for months. And then we go on the road to some bottom feeder teams and just blow them out. Um, but... That's not always the case, you know. Um, we're seeing now that it doesn't really matter who you play. Sure, we we had a couple games where we stepped up on the road, but even the best teams in the conference, they have their their moments. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be nice if they had one in the CFSB center. It hasn't really <laughs> happened yet, but uh, I think that's the thing that's been so shocking to me. I always felt so confident betting against UT Martin or, um, you know, Eastern Kentucky or whoever it may have been, Tennessee Tech. But uh, I'm learning real quick that, you know, placing the double dong two unit bets on Indiana State to go in beat uh, UIC by 12 points or more, uh, you know, it's not a given. And so I don't know. I think that's been the, the most surprising thing for me. Yeah. I was going to say leading into tonight, I really thought that the thing that I was going to mention was the, the separation between the top echelon and then just everybody else. I think tonight's really proven that uh, anybody can beat anybody. And the part like in the OVC, it was difficult to win on the road in some capacities because of the whistle, I think. Mm-hmm. But another part, another thing that I think has been uh, just the inconsistency of it. Uh, but I really something else I guess I guess has impressed me is I, I can't really offhand think of a poorly really poorly officiated game in conference. I mean I just can't. Absolutely. Um, and uh, I mean there's been some calls here or there. Now on the women's side that's a different story. Um, but for the men I think that uh, you know it's been it's there's been not much to complain about, uh, which is a breath of fresh air. Uh, mm-hmm. Which we could just capitalize on it. Yeah, that I think I saw some people talking about that on Twitter maybe earlier this week um, about the difference in the physicality and that the racers haven't really stepped up to that level yet. And it, while that's true, I love the fact that, you know, we're not in the double bonus with 10 minutes left to go in the half. Yeah. There were so many games in the OVC where there's 40 or 50 fouls called. And it just yeah. ruins the experience, honestly. <laughs> yeah. like I, I enjoy watching, like you guys said, I enjoy turning on Missouri Valley games for, I, I don't care if Northern Iowa is playing, you know, Valpo. It's, you know, going to be decent basketball and it's not going to be a ref show. Mm-hmm. It's so great that, um, unlike the OVC, you don't have to worry about, your players getting the hook all the time and having to set them the first whole first half, yeah, the moving screen from the big guy at the top of the key. Oh, yeah. yeah it, every box out is a foul. Yeah. Uh, if somebody goes to the floor, it's a foul. Um, in this league, the best players are on the court and they're the ones that decide the games. And I think that's how it should be. Yeah. That's a yeah. great, really great way to put it there. If you look back, those games when the NBC folks would come and play us, you know, they're, they're a lot of times you look back, their coaches would go nuts. Yeah. And you think about it, like, I guess we were just kind of used to it, but, uh, and they were used to the fact they had, you know, quality, uh, quality, uh, offic- uh, officials, you know, night in and night out. And so, um, Never going to give the officials a shout out, but it's like I said, it's been a breath of fresh air, and it's got to it's got to be great for the coaches too, just to not have to worry about that during the game. And there's only been a couple of times where we've seen the egos pop out of some of these officials, but uh, for the most part, it's been uh, it's been pretty nice. Yeah, o- overwhelmingly, you see guys who who do Power Five games. Uh, you see guys who are who are Big Twelve officials and Big Ten guys, and and that that's pretty impressive. And and I think Logan, to to your point about winning on the road. I think, you know, for us in the OVC, it was such a small error of margin, small margin of error. Like, we couldn't give those games up. But, like, last night we saw Kentucky just get blasted by South Carolina on the road. And nobody, nobody, I get, they probably wouldn't even drop two spots in the poll this week. You know, it's like, oh, well, I mean, Kentucky, it's just hard to win on the road in the SEC or, um, if Ohio State goes on the road, or or somebody in the Big Ten goes on the Purdue goes on the road and loses, it's ah, oh, it's just just hard to win at Illinois. It's just hard to you know go and win at Michigan or whatever it may be. It's like it just gets excused, and the Missouri Valley needs that type of respect, you know. And I think they're gonna they're getting it um, because this is an off year for us. Hopefully, hopefully we're back at it, but um. Uh, where we had a we have really bad well m- partly bad ratings and this conference still is a top eight conference in in the nation and just what if we're a top 100 team like we have been historically and Belmont's another top 100 team like this the Missouri Valley if if Drake and and 
Indiana State and Bradley, they can keep their coaches. Like I know Josh Shirts has been named in already in some in some stuff. And who knows, Brian Wardle we thought was gonna leave last year and he didn't. But uh, you know, you get some consistency in this league and you're gonna be a consistent top eight, top seven league in the in the in the nation. And I think this year is a big year and I Hope uh, Drake's down four and two overtimes, but I hope Drake keeps winning, not against us. And I hope Indiana State keeps winning, not against us. Because I think if the Valley can take that step to be a two-bid league in the NCAA tournament this year, that's going to open up a lot of doors going forward. I don't know what you guys think about that. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And I was thinking about this the other day, too, just from the thinking about the OVC perspective. I really think that the bottom-tier teams in this league – uh, would be would probably finish, you know, I think Morad's actually pretty decent this year, but would finish, you know, third behind uh, Belmont and us, you know, not year in and year out. And this this Van, the, the Valpo team is not very good. Um, yeah. Illinois State, you know, not 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 the not world beaters. So, um, but just night in and night out, you can see across the valley that the bottom tier teams would still be the best teams in the OVC. So it's so nice that we're out of there. Um, but that yeah, that opens the door for us so much because I, if if Indiana State and uh, Drake, their out-of-conference uh, resume is really, really good. Um, and then they come into the Valley, and like you said, they may lose three or four games, but I do think that um, the way the, the non-conference schedule that we're trying to put together, Belmont, I hate to say it, but they usually play a really, really tough non-conference schedule against, and a lot of their familiar rivals like Lipscomb and, and Middle have been really good too, so that helps. Um, and then they always play in a big-time tournament every year uh, and, and things like that. You know, look at ours. I mean, ours was the toughest schedule to, you know, maybe ever. And if we can get back to the, the expectation that is racial basketball, then um, you're going to have across the league, uh, you know, it's, it, it has a chance to climb because the, the, the leagues that are ranked above us, I think some of those leagues are starting to slip a little bit, uh, yeah. especially with conference realignment. Those some of those some of those leagues aren't what they used to be uh, because some of their top perennial powers are, are are jumping up and joining and making mega conferences. So um, it, there's just a lot of great a lot of great things going on in the Valley. And um, so glad we're here rather than talking about, like you said, Logan, Eastern Illinois and Lindenwood <laughs> and. Um, Arkansas Little Rock tonight. That was <laughs> totally different story. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's fun to talk about too on the podcast for sure. And it gives us something as as the racers keep struggling, it gives us something else to talk about as well. So we're not just being down gloom and doom the whole time. So, uh, guys, I know we're probably coming up on an hour, a little bit less. Maybe anybody have anything else? I just have a little thing, Austin, and uh, we, we did, I, a lot of people mentioned that they thought that we did a really good job in breaking down uh, Coach Wright, uh, football head, new head football coach with Murray State, uh, which was which was big time news. Absolutely loved Coach Wright mixing it up with the students all during the game uh, against Indiana State on Sunday, wearing the John Morant Murray State jersey. That was awesome. And for me, the other night, I was uh, I was I was driving around town and had to go run some errands, and I was uh, driving through. Uh, by the football stadium, and all the new coaches were coming out of the, of the stadium at 8.30 at night. They had been working all day, probably more than a 12-hour day, um, and we're all just laughing, cutting it up, slapping each other's backs while I was driving by, and I was like, man, good things are happening for Murray State Racing. So I, I'm excited for it. Uh, if it wasn't raining just a little bit, I would have rolled my window down and yelled, go racers. I'm sure that would have fired them up too. But uh, just really good vibes coming out of Roy Stewart Stadium. And I was really excited to see it. And I think that the racer fans, um, I mean, if you've been looking on Twitter, watching on Twitter, you know, really quality players have been offered left and right. And I'm like, why haven't I seen these guys before? Um, <laughs> Co- Coach Wright, I think, has got it going on from the recruiting trail. So excited for them and uh, just a random occurrence. But I thought it would be fun to fun to share. I think I think the football team is going to be a lot of fun. I, I got a question for you guys because Logan, I know, no, you you can talk about your little run in with with Coach. I don't know if that's where you're going, but you talk a lot about on this podcast how you guys are best friends with Eddie George. You know, after the Tennessee State meeting. So where where is Coach Coach Wright going to fit in on the hierarchy with Eddie George? I'm just I'm just curious. 
We'll have to watch Coach Wright run up against some um, all-pro defensive tackles and <laughs> linebackers before we make that call. Uh, but from a personality standpoint, he's already he's already better than Coach than Coach George. Because the first time I met him, I was sitting with Logan at the game. I guess it was against you and I. And he did come over and act like he'd met me before. So they're on the equal <laughs> playing field. Uh, Freddie George. Uh, but uh, already followed us all back on Twitter and all that good stuff. So he's he's uh, he's ahead of Coach, uh, Coach George in my book. Thank you. Yeah, he's such a infectious guy to be around. You just see him smiling all the time. And he looks like he's having the best time, like when he was in the student section. It's fun to have a, a coach like that. And, you know, he just looks like a player's coach. He's going to push you and, and get the best out of you. But, man, he, you can tell he just loves his players and uh, and wants the best for them. You know, I was talking to one of the assistant coaches last night, Gary Crass, and he kind of filled me in on the recruiting uh, trail and how they're doing and like you said Sawyer we are offering higher caliber players um, SEC caliber guys and he said that the recruiting strategy now in the NIL era has changed to where all the transfer portal kids are kind of messing things over for the good high school players and so that kind of leaves a void there and it opens up an opportunity to pitch really good high school football players that you know you, you may be a three star, but you're gonna have to sit behind these people for years that, that are you know fourth, fifth year seniors transferring in. If you come here and ball out for a couple years uh, against really good MVC teams, you know an SEC school could offer you mm-hmm. big money to go play football for them or play in the pros. I mean, we saw Cole Rusk, um, our tight end, go to Illinois. And, you know, it's one thing to say it, but then when you kind of see these guys start to show interest in Murray State, it's like, holy crap, maybe they're actually making a a good effort at this thing. So I'm pumped up for Murray State football. I cannot wait for the fall. Honestly, in the past, I show up for about one half a year, and that's about it. And I I really am excited. Uh, You talked about my run-in with Coach Wright. So Sawyer sent us the press conference, uh, his introductory press conference, and um, I watched it. And shortly after that, my my dad said, come with us. We're going to Don Soul. So I went and uh, me, him and my mom went. And what do you know? Coach Wright and his whole family walks in. Well, he walks by the table and I said, congratulations, coach. He stayed for probably 15 minutes and talked to us. Him and my dad, I feel like, became best buddies. Coach Wright <laughs> took a selfie and sent it to Coach Panunzio, and it struck up a huge conversation. It was awesome. And so now every time he sees me, which he's met a 1,000 people since he's been here already, every time he sees me, oh, there's my man, there's my man. How you doing, Logan? Awesome, awesome uh, guy, and just so glad he's the, the leader of our program. Are are we becoming a football podcast or depends on how this next month goes. We <laughs> <laughs> We've thought about becoming a women's basketball podcast and maybe a football podcast too. Well, I mean, you I mean, I don't know if we can announce it, but you kind of locked locked him down as a guest on the show, right? He would love to come on the show. Oh yeah. He would love it. I think I texted you guys. It would be very on brand for us to have the football coach on before before the head <laughs> basketball coach. So uh, no, I, I think that's good, and uh, it it is always something good to get fired up about. Because I mean, we think back in like September and early October, and like we're just like chomping at the bit waiting for racer basketball, and it's like, man, can we get through this fall and get to November so we can watch some basketball? So it would be great to have like. In August, we could be like, all right, let's let's watch some racer football. So hopefully yeah. we can be good. I mean, back in the hatch attack days, like at least the offense was really fun. You knew you were going to see them score 50 points. So like that was something to get fired up. And I had to go to the games being on the drum line and stuff. So all that happened. But it'd be great to be um, just excited about Murray State football because we want to be. So hope I, I think we all three have the full confidence in, in Coach Wright and like we said, home run hire bar by our guy Nico. And, um, you know, time will tell. Time will tell how it how it shakes out. But just really glad we 
went after a, a new young blood, a guy with a lot of fire and a lot of connection and, you know, has winning experience. So I think that was really, you know, really refreshing to see. Logan, I don't, I don't think we had one last episode because I think we, we were so fired up about the racers coming off the two big wins. But I think I think it's about time for us to to revisit Logan's Listener of the Week and and uh, see if, if we can get that back on track to get the racers back on track. Yeah, and I, I wish I had a, you know, a Listener of the Week this week. I think I've got something special, though, something you know better than a Listener of the Week. And uh, not to bring the mood down, but I've got a racer of the week, could be racer of the year. And it was going around Twitter yesterday. Um, Roger Court passed away. He was one of Lindy's buddies, a, a huge racer fan. And somebody that I had the pleasure of getting to meet. Um, I'm not even sure how we, we got introduced I think it was actually through Mel Purcell. Him and Mel were buddies, and you know we we take Benny to games. Me and my dad would, and then Mel would come along, and Roger would come along, and um, so we'd go to road games, and sometimes he'd sit with us at home games. And uh, a young guy, he was he was just 61, and it it's really caught me off guard to be honest. Um, you know, there's a guy named Kevin Kelly who uh, you know writes blogs and stuff, and um, he's got a, a, you know, a blog called 1000 true fans and it's, it talks about in business. You need a thousand true fans and as an entrepreneur you do. Well, I think the same can be said for Missouri Valley basketball programs. I feel like to be successful or mid-major basketball programs, you need a, a thousand true fans to be really good. And then you can have the fringe ones that show up. But Roger was a, a true fan of Murray state. Um, he was he was one of the top 1,000. I was looking at his um, at his obituary earlier, and the background of it was just like the watermark was Murray State's logo. And he just loved it. And That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I hope I go the same way, just with Murray State logos all <laughs> over. Um, but you know, being in his 50s when we were going to games together he still seemed like a kid on Christmas when you talk to him about racer basketball, he just loved it that much. And, you know, some of my fond or fondest memories through the 2010s were going to games cause we were so good, you know, and I shared that with, with him, with Benny. And so, um, you know, he would always sit in the, the rowdy section, uh, most of the time with Lindy and that crew over there and would always, uh, you know, good refs and the other players a piece of his mind and you know it it just it, it ain't gonna be the same you know he he moved off to metropolis uh, at briggs and stratton for a long time moved to metropolis and um didn't get to come to as many games but you know when he was here he was always smiling and coming up to shake our hands and you know i'm i'm gonna miss him i know that a lot of racer fans that um that had the pleasure of knowing him is gonna miss him as well and so the you know, not to end on a sad note, but I want to give him a shout out. He he meant a lot to a lot of racer fans, and um, I think it's appropriate that he's the first and only thus far racer of the week slash year um, on the Racer Nation podcast. Absolutely, great job, Logan. That was that was touching, and um, we've lost we've lost some really really great racer fans over the past couple of years. And um, I really appreciate you taking some time to, to highlight that and the special relationships. And ultimately, you know, that's kind of why we started this podcast is uh, just to, to further those relationships with people. And um, I think that's why it's so important to us. And that's why it really hurts to see us go through the times kind of like what we're going through right now, because when, when you do have those moments where we're, we're so good and, you know, we're not like other towns, you know, we're, we're Murray, and you know we don't have a we don't have a pro sports team. Uh, we're we're not a huge town, but we have what we do have is Murray State Racer basketball, and it's something that can unify a community. And we've seen it time and time again when Murray, Kentucky is on the map. You know, more times than not, it's because of Murray State Racer basketball, and uh, it's pretty remarkable what this community can do and um, the relationships I know that I've personally made just just simply on racer basketball are numerous um, that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and so 
uh, I, I think you you've done a tremendous job there, and um, very very very. I, I've I know I've been able to be around uh, be around him as well, and I, I remember those those same smiles, and and I hope that. Uh, everybody takes that same mentality the next time they step foot in the CFSB Center like a kid on Christmas in his honor. Really good, good way to put it, guys. I think we take it for granted, or at least I do. You know, all the all the relationships that I've had from past that still like that's our connection is they text me, man, the racers. How about the racers? I get phone calls driving home from work, man. You know what happened last week? Or hey, wasn't that awesome? So. I think, I think we can definitely take that for granted as well, and um, or I can, so I'm sure some other people can as well. So a uh, great, great way to end it. Logan, we, we started this podcast off the rails, saw your got us, got us back going, and I thought a really, really fitting way to end this. And, and we've got a big one Saturday. SIU got back on the winning ways tonight. Racers are going to look to get back on their winning ways on Saturday is what we talked about, a very winnable game. We got to follow the game plan. We got to not let Xavier Johnson go off for 40 against us. And Austin Mason, or not Austin Mason, I was just watching him beat Drake. It's so easy to get them I'm telling you, I just watched him beat Drake. So, oh gosh, man, maybe it's about time for me to shut this down. We will not be with you next week. I'm on vacation. Sawyer's on vacation. Wait, wait, Logan, you didn't want to do this by yourself, did you? I mean, I don't think you guys want me to do this, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, if you if you get a if you get a wild hair, let me know, and I'll I'll send you the link on how to how to post the episode. So um, we will we will hit you up. I guess the first week of February. Hopefully, we got some racer wins to talk about. But if not, I guarantee we'll be on here talking about something. So um, as always, Sawyer, send us off. Go racers. Go racers. Go racers. Murray State, stand up. Hoop squad, stand up. Anyone who's in the CFSB, stand up. It's time to take these questions that have been asked to get them answered. Who's going to win the MVC? New big things. It's, it's Murray State.